Maybe we can get a website. (laughs) 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 (sighs) If only we could Uh, get a website. (laughs) If only. If only. You know, you know what would be That's you funny. know would be a good URL. It'd be like LinuxUserspace.podcast or maybe dot show? show. Maybe show? I think would be a good one. Coming up in this episode, Dan delivers. The strongest form of architecture. We answer, which way to my wiki? Logos get vectored. And if you like what you see and hear, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash linuxuserspace. the Linux user space. I'm Leah. And I'm Dan. And Dan, you, we were talking before the show, and um, I don't think you get uh, enough recognition. You do a lot, turns out. Uh, and Well, I try. I, I, I didn't realize how much you did until you started to explain to me what your last couple of weeks have been like, and you, you deliver. You've been delivering. Well, what, I, what do you deliver? Well, delivering the packages, like. And I don't, I don't mean in the mail sense or the UPS sense or the FedEx sense, uh, but no, I've been delivering the Ubuntu packages. So feature freeze, which is a, is a time in the development cycle when uh, no new features are supposed to be introduced into, uh, you know, your Ubuntu uh, flavor or, you know, main Ubuntu. And after that, it's supposed to be all bug fixes and, you know, getting ready for final release right no changes no no overall changes yeah you, Keep you, it can, the same. you can do bug fixes no problem with that um and and sometimes they could be changing you know in in a way but you need you need to be fixing a bug in order to be uploading new new things at this point right um so that was last thursday as we record um right now that was last thursday so you know the weeks coming up to that point you you're really trying to get all the new packages up to date in your in in your package set and getting getting them ready to go. So you tell me it's not boring, but I don't know. In a way, it feels a little boring. It's 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 somewhat monotonous. So um, we've got I don't know twenty thirty ish packages that that make up the LXQt uh, desktop environment, and then we have some other native packages that are like default settings and artwork and things like that that also go along with our flavor and so it's a mad dash in the last couple of weeks really to get those uploaded so one of the other members of our team um is just a member they're not a developer so they don't have any upload rights so they've been doing a lot of the work and i've been reviewing and sponsoring those packages to go into the archive because i do have developer upload rights for things that are in our package set so when they break, it's your fault. Well, yes, because <laughs> you're supposed to review them. <laughs> right. Yeah, they've got, they actually have to be good packages yeah. to, uh, to be approved, right? Right. And so, uh, you know, so then I upload them and they go into the build system and they build. And um, if, if they build on all the architectures uh, against, 
all of the packages that are in the proposed uh, um, pocket, then um, they will eventually migrate into the release pocket, which is where everybody gets them through their updates. So, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that means that if those packages don't get packaged up by you and put into the repositories, I mean, mm-hmm. you're not there. There is no Lubuntu. You don't you don't get one. Well, you get what you had last time. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you 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 don't get what you were expecting to get. I mean, when twenty one ten rolls out, it would just be twenty one oh four again. Right. And so you you would have the the previous version of LXQ. I mean, I guess the the other thing is if if there was not a newer version of LXQ to um, upload, then that's what you're going to get anyway. But well, sure. Um, generally speaking, every six months or so is a new release of LXQ. That's that's been the way it's been running here the last little bit. So so there's always work to be done. There's then. always work to be done, and it, and it works out kind of good for us. Um, unfortunately, well, I guess fortunate, unfortunate, right? So. Releases for LXQ seem to be about November and um, like May-ish time frame, right? So those are like right after our releases, oh, which is yeah. good in a way because that gives you the whole development cycle to get those it, things up there and tested exactly. and all of that. But it also means like the latest and greatest is like just released right after your release. But that's kind exactly. of it's kind of the way it goes. It's 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 the stable release you know mode if you will you're you're always going to be well, missing it at some either the beginning or the end somehow. right i mean un- un- unless you're on arch well uh, and that's uh, rolling so uh, yeah right yeah so i don't know well um, th- that's that was my take on the steam deck though i mean mm-hmm. everybody and i mean you you included uh everybody got in on the pre-order thing on the res- right. reservation thing and i'm gonna let everybody get that and see what the reviews the real actual finalized reviews are like and then I'm going to buy one after the fact. Once once there's actual stock and everything, I'm going to wait. Yeah. So, I mean, that that actually works well for me because I, I don't necessarily need the latest and greatest. I want the actual, just the greatest. Right. I, I don't want latest, just greatest. Right. So that, that works out pretty well, I think. I it mean, works out for a lot of people. You... It, it, it's, it's all in what you're, you're, you're looking for. And, uh, right. Yeah, so that's fine. So Big Mad Dash, been uploading a lot of packages. And, uh, you know, building them and um, watching all of that, you know, go through because you you have to do it in a certain sequence, obviously, because some of them build on the other ones. And so then you have to, you know, stagger all of your uploads in a a certain way. So I've been been kind of busy letting that do its thing. Well, cool. Man, that's a lot of work, though. That's a lot of work. And so I can't. I can't say I've been uh, too busy myself, but I did. Uh, the shirt finally came in. I like Yay. that shirt. That's nice. That's really cool. Tux, and... Tux turns 30. Yeah, happy birthday, and, Tux. Um, yeah, really. So um, that came in. I got the hat floating around here somewhere. I got some stickers. I still need to stick on things. Cool. Um, but uh, I've, I've really been enjoying this. And the shirt feels really nice, too. Like yeah, It looks very premium soft. quality. Yeah. Very, it's very soft. It, it was definitely worth the like fourteen dollars I spent on it. I mean, it cool. feels like more not, than a fourteen dollars shirt. That's not too bad though, really. No, not at all. Um, and the other thing is, uh, I've just been, uh, I'm, I'm at decision paralysis. I want a new keyboard. Mm. I don't need a new keyboard. So I think that that's probably the biggest reason why I don't want to make a decision just yet. But I'm, I'm deciding on a Keychron. Uh, I think it's a K3, so it's not a full it, like ten keyless. It's just got like one column of keys to the right of the backspace key okay um 
And then there's a uh, Cooler Master. I think it may be like a 631 or something like that. But it's a 10 keyless keyboard. They're all low profile. That's the thing. I- I'd like real tiny keys, like real bigger thin? than a laptop. Yeah, bigger than a laptop, but thinner than you know your standard keyboard. Um, but I also want something like a Cherry MX Red or a Gatoron Red. Mm. Uh, I don't. I don't like the clicky. Everybody does blues. I can't stand them. I absolutely hate clicky keyboards. Um, at me. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I can't. No, can't I stand them. So, like, I don't mind. Like, I I get the noise factor is a, is a thing. Um, right. But I actually don't mind the clickiness of them the, the, as far as the feel. The feel is fine. The it's just that. I swear there are people out there that want them as loud as possible so um, that you can hear them eight cubicles over. Yeah. And then, yeah, everybody avoids you uh, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, everybody's wearing their headphones at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, really? I, I, you know, I have an office with a door. So, like, as much noise In, as it makes, it wouldn't be a problem. You know, wait so a I, minute. I get wait, you there. Hold on. Am, am I hearing that you have blues? Is that? No, I don't, but. Okay. It wouldn't be a problem for me at work because I get it. everybody could just shut their door and move on. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're in your own office, if you, if it's if it's just you, what you get what you want. I don't, it's whatever. It's it's right. when it's when the the clicky clacky mm-hmm. uh, is so loud that everybody can hear it. I think it's just it's, yeah. The the noise is annoying, but I do like the feel. Yeah, the the feel is nice. I mean, I actually have some um, Otemu Brown, okay. which um, have a bump, not a not a click. That's not bad. That, that's a good. Those feel pretty good. Yeah, that feels like a good compromise right there. Right, somewhere in the middle. They're not too terribly loud. I mean, they they're definitely louder than your standard uh, kind of like membrane keyboard. You know, pretty mm-hmm. much what Dell sends you, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but well, those can yeah, be loud not, sometimes too. They they can be. I tend to think that the membranes are actually some of the quietest keyboards um, outside of maybe like laptop keyboards. Mm-hmm. A lot of those kind of have a clicky. Really quiet. Yeah, they they a lot of those tend to have a clicky because they're scissor switch uh mm-hmm. type whatever's they are key whatever's yep um and I like those I actually like that feel and that's kind of why I want to go with um you know a low profile keyboard so yeah yeah so my my, my keyboard's pretty low profile here yes is that looks like it is not it's a faux uh, okay okay it's, uh... but. I've I've used um those it's Apple Magic whatevers. I clever. Oh, see, look at you. Okay, how clever of you. Yeah, I yeah. clever. I I do like those. Those are actually kind of nice. Um, I've I've it has I used a good feel. to use one at work all the time. I enjoyed them. I mean, but it was just basically a laptop keyboard in a keyboard form factor. So it, it is. It's it's um uh, it's not quite like a laptop though. It, oh, I, I feel like um it doesn't feel like my laptop. Got it. So here's what I'm working with. This uh, this thing is heavy. Oh yeah. I mean it. I That's mean it's serious. all aluminum, plastic on the outside. Uh, I bought some yellow keycaps for it. They're Cherry MX Browns. Uh, it's a ducky. So bad. Uh, it's one of the original Ducky Shines, I think, is what it was. Okay. But I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's just it's there's there's a lot of play in those keys. Oh okay. So I just, I just want to try out a little profile and see what see what happens. So we got some keyboard wars going on. You've got you've got we're on the opposite spectrum. Oh, I'm, I'm cheap. As as, <laughs> as as big as they get, and yeah. Well, the buttons, like I don't know if you, you if you can tell from like the buttons are actually fairly good size. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're, they're the, a little bigger than size. Like my, like my, I've had keyboards on laptops and stuff that are smaller. You know, they compromise on size. I hate yeah. that. I like 
I like the spacing of a real sized key. That's what uh, that, that's what I was reading about the key cron is that the the keys themselves are slightly smaller than your standard mm. keyboard key, which means you have to be extra precise. I'm not that. <laughs> yeah, I'm a pretty good typist, so I'm not I'm not worried about that. But I do okay. I mean, but yeah, yeah. It if it, it will feel weird for a while. Eh, you get used to anything, I guess. I can find myself mashing the wrong button often. Right. Right. Exactly. I, I do that with my ThinkPad. Um, mm-hmm. For some reason. I will hit the space bar before I'm finished with the oh. word. So like that last letter will get chunked into the next word for some reason. I, I don't, I don't yeah, know why. My that biggest is. problem is the shift key. Oh. And so oh. that's, that's my pinky. And, uh-huh. and I don't know, I just hang on to it too long. So I end up with like two oh. capital letters in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I just, I don't, I don't react fast enough. I can type faster than I'm, than my pinky can let up on the shift. Yeah. You know, actually, now that I think and about so it, I think super I do that. Annoying. <laughs> I do that on my ThinkPad as well. So maybe mm-hmm. that's another issue. Maybe I shouldn't get a low profile keyboard. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Something to think about. See, see, I already had decision paralysis and now I'm even worse. Thanks, Dan. Sorry. If there's anything <laughs> I edit though, it's, it's an extra shift. Exactly. There you go. Yeah, that would be all right. So art's time. It's time to talk about art. Yeah. So I, I, I have to admit, I was kind of dreading doing this one um, because it's arch and it's got a reputation for being really hard and all of that kind of stuff. But I'm glad we did. I think we both had a pretty good time with it. Oh, yeah. I think we both did. Um, I Well, we should throw out a caveat here, though. We're both. People that oh. have used Linux systems for a while. Yeah, Mr. Package Maintainer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I guess so. But I you're, mean, no, you're, seriously. You're deep in it. No, right. we've, we've, we both started about the same time. So it's been a while, right? So we've, yeah. we've been around the block a few times and, and know our way around some systems, know how to fix some things that are broken if they break, and uh, just kind of have a general working knowledge of how the system is built from the ground up. Right, yeah. So, not, yeah, not our first time in in Linux land. Exactly, seasoned. I think is a good word to kind of describe us. Yep. But um, before we get too terribly deep into what it was like, um, hop hop in hop into the time machine with me. Yeah. And let's let's go back, uh, all the way back to two thousand and two when Arch was just a tiny little baby. Two thousand and one, actually. As yeah. A matter so. Of fact, Early development started in 2001, yeah. But they right. didn't release until 2002. And in that of original kind of coalescence of Arch, there were some basic principles that were put together. And one of those principles was simplicity. And we ran into this a lot. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, to some folks, this might even be an annoyance. But the whole idea with simplicity is that there are no mods, no patch, no patches applied to upstream packages. They are just the package, mm-hmm. and and this leads to services not getting automatically enabled just because you installed them, right? I mean, right. In in Ubuntu, you install SSH, uh, with the Open SSH server, and it's automatically on, right? Yep. Because obviously you installed it. Obviously, you're probably going to use it, right? So I mean, here, there you go. Turn yeah. it on for you, but not at Arch. That's not the way that that works. It is not. Yeah, so 
yeah, system system D is gonna you know any of those system D unit things, they're gonna get enabled yeah. over there in Ubuntu or Debian or Fedora or wherever probably, and it's not gonna happen here. You're gonna have to go in there and system CTL enable whatever. Exactly. I did learn a cool switch on uh, or a, a, a cool a cool option on this right. So typically I would do system control enable service whatever that service was, right? And then system control start service oh yeah mm -hmm. it turns out that if you add the dash dash now option now. to mm -hmm. system control enable it'll do both yeah does all what? one one fail swoop i didn't know this that was so cool so yeah i mean is is this not what they say every single time you use arch well if you if you do arch you're gonna learn something well i did but, okay yeah. fine fine so that was good thing. right <laughs> so another of those principles is modernity so as long as there are no introduced breaking changes it's the latest and greatest Right. Yep. I mean, if if you can't see that it's broken, well, there it is. Yep. Whatever there the latest release is, there it is. Yep. And I mean, th this, I mean, obviously, right. I mean, Arch is one of the most popular rolling releases out there. This is it. This is that principle. Another is pragmatism, both open source and free software, along with proprietary offering. So yep. it doesn't matter if it's software, if it's on Linux, I mean, that's the deal. Oh, it's if, really if there. Have, like Vivaldi, if, if Discord, those things, those are proprietary, right? To some degree. Yep. And they're there. Exactly. So if, they, if they've got the man time, man, uh, manpower to put it in there, they're going to put it in there. It doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what the license is. Another is user centrality, designed to fill the needs of those that contribute to it. All users are encouraged to contribute and participate. So, right. I mean, yeah. that, that reads to me as community. Right. Yeah, it is. It is yeah. a user-focused distribution made by the users that use it. Yep. It also means you know you you put some effort into this, and you're going to get it back in return. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you get what you put into it. Right. Is is another way to think about that, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you, you you put in high quality, you get out high quality, right? Mm -hmm. Garbage in, garbage out is the opposite of that. That's true. And then versatility. So it's a general purpose distribution. You start with a command prompt, right? This is the yep. iconic arch way, and you build it the way that you want. That's that's it. I mean, every 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 time we've ever talked about the arch way, or every time I've ever heard someone say something to the uh, to the effect of the arch way, this is what they mean. This is exactly what they mean. Yeah, you're starting with a blank slate, and it is what you make it. Yep. Right. And this is the crux of my argument. By the way, that yeah. um, Arch is not a distro, <laughs> but it is. We'll, 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 we'll talk. <laughs> we'll we'll argue more about that here in a little bit. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so the Arch roots uh, development began in early 2001, and there was an actual initial release, the first actual release on uh, March 11th of 2002. This was Arch 0 0.1. 0.1, .1, yeah. By and I apologize, Judd. Uh, Judd Vinay. Yeah, Vinay. Vinay? I, I think Vinay. Vinay. Okay. It's a Canadian. Okay, cool. uh, he's, he's Canadian, so I'm gonna say mm -hmm. French. French. Uh, oh, it, it, you know what? If you say French Canadian, I'm gonna go with Vinay. Sounds right mm -hmm. to me down here in uh, not in Tejas. French can yeah right. <laughs> See, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely the guy to go to for uh, pronunciation of this last name. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can do any better. <laughs> uh, well, good, good. As long as we're on the same uh, same foothold here. So 
the forums are something that existed almost from the very beginning. I mean, we saw the forums come up in 2002. Uh, but also in 2002, you see the first full release of Pac-Man. So Pac-Man 1.0, February 25th, to be exact. So you have a full distro, you have forums for people to hash things out, and you have the package manager that, that gets you all of that versatility and pragmatism and user centrality. It's starting to coalesce into something yep. that I think, I mean, well, obviously, you know, you fast forward to today, that a lot of people are going to use and that a lot of people base other things off of. So I really kind of feel like with all of this, Arch is building themselves up to be something like Debian. Yeah, a great base for everybody else, right? Right. And then there's still this huge amount of people that use the base the by base. itself <laughs> because they feel that it's better. Yep. I mean, you know, cool. Garuda does all this cool stuff. Uh, I just use Arch anyway, right? Because I can do source. all of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. So uh, a great article by Ladislav Bodnar. I hope that was correct. In oh, 2003, good. good, good. <laughs> In 2003 on DistroWatch, where uh, there was an interview with uh, Judd, and what his ideas were about having a sim uh, simple distribution, um, but having a package manager, he said, was critical to keeping it simple. Um, you got to so remember the time, the time there, right? The, not many of the other distributions that were in existence really had that sort of thing. You were building the packages up, you know, actually building the packages and putting the dependencies in the right order all by yourself. There was nothing right. doing that for you. And, and in this hell, uh, um, in, this, um, uh, in this interview, Judd actually makes reference to dependency hell, RPM hell, oh. uh, a couple of different times, right? I mean, <laughs> this is one of the catalysts for mm -hmm. uh, you know, creating Arch in the first place. So uh, Judd is quoted in the article as saying, the big boys also have a much larger package set than Arch Linux, though our repositories are growing steadily. And I mean, I mean, we're, we're going to get into it, but the repositories are pretty good nowadays. I think I they, mean, might be, yeah, they might be the biggest, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's a bold statement, but they're really large. The, there's going to be a lot of walking back of things that I've said before uh, mm -hmm. in this particular episode. Um, I think the Arch repositories may actually be one of the best repositories yeah. in existence for the just sheer breadth of things that are in it that I never expected to be in it. Yeah. Why? Why? I, I don't get it. But, you know, it's, it's there. Yeah. So um, Pac-Man was born out of a need for a better aptgit at the time. And so keep in mind, this is 2003, right? Aptgit has had, I don't know how many years, lots of years, uh, yeah. almost eight, 18 years. You know, if, I, if I do quick math. That's 18 years to get better. So obviously, Arch, I mean, uh, to aptgit is better now than it was back then. But well, yeah. so keep in mind, 2003 here, he's, uh, he says, Pac-Man's dash dash sync operation was def uh, definitely inspired by aptgit, but Pac-Man is more of a complete packaging system, whereas aptgit fills in the features that dpackage doesn't provide. He goes on to say, in my limited experience with aptgit, the only complaints I had were the awkward split between apt-get and dpackage and the odd time when apt-get would foobar my system with its recommended upgrades and replaces. So I think, I mean, apt and apt-get have gotten way more Much mature better. over the time. Yeah, I've, I've, not, I've not run into this in years. 
But um, I, I do remember learning on systems back in the day, and I do remember having to kind of split my time between, okay, is this something that Dpackage can handle, or is this something I can do with AptKit? And now, right. I mean, AptKit can do it all. So and, he's, and he's right. You can get yourself in a in a situation where you installed something with Dpackage probably, and then yeah. you know you you got a dependency that doesn't match something that Apt wants to do. Exactly, and then you just smack the dash F option, and you totally bork your system, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> So in that, though, um, you can kind of hear a little bit about uh, the makings of the Arch Wiki. In in the interview, he mm-hmm. does kind of yep. call out that um, – uh, actually, here's a quote. He says, and I've been told that Arch's documentation is less than perfect, which makes sense. I wrote it, after all, and it's not my strongest point. But now we have a documentation maintainer with a great gift for the written word, so it can only improve from there. And so, I mean, I would assume it, it, would, it would work for me. I think right. the catalyst here might have been the criticism. Yeah. <laughs> like, where's the documentation? It's terrible. All right, well, we'll just go make better documentation then. Yeah, I mean, if you string together some man pages, you, you've, you've got some documentation, but it's not real readable, right? Right. And I mean, at that point, the Arch Wiki was born. I mean, so in, in 2004, I, I guess it was it was just a few right. months later right. that the Arch Wiki was born. So you had this um, you had this good documentation, but no way to really catalog it yeah. and deal with it. And so, again, so the criticism was a catalyst for better documentation. The better documentation was a catalyst for in a few months, the Arch Wiki. Mm-hmm. So one more one more quote out of this on the topic of servers. He says. Um, <laughs> I'm a little biased here, but I would have to say that, yes, Arch is very suitable for servers. My day job is mostly system administration, and I've got nine servers running Arch at work. They're all quite stable and perform great, fast, and painless to maintain, thanks to Pac-Man and Arch's simplicity. So, hey, I mean, that's pretty cool. Well, (laughs) when you think about it, it makes sense, though, right? If you've got a, you know, one thing... On a, on a server and that's all it's doing and you want to keep it simple you don't want to add on a whole bunch of stuff you want to keep it stable you want to right you want to keep it secure it it, it it sort of makes sense right one one simple thing and and it goes exactly. to their their core of you know one of the fundamentals of the whole distribution yeah i mean i think that's one of the things that you really have to consider when you're putting a server distribution or, or just installing linux on a server i mean it's reducing your surface area the whole mm-hmm. idea is you you shrink it down to just the absolute bare minimum to get the job done, and I mean I think that's that's pretty much the the whole tenet of Docker, right? I was gonna I mean, say that's where we've gone with containers, right? We've gone it, super micro small with just the services that you need. Exactly, and I think uh, I mean if you if you kind of think about um, what is it Linux Unplugged and how they do that thing that that skit on their show where they mm-hmm. uh, update their server and all of that, and it's Arch. I mean, but that's that's really all that it is. It, it's a it's a few kernel modules and things like that, which is that's what tends to break. Right. Um, but it's just a super small system with Docker on it that runs other super small systems, really, mm-hmm. and that's why it ends up being so stable. It's just yeah. a simple setup. Right. So um, the last thing I'll mention about this interview is uh, something that's been on my mind for a while because uh, Slackware has had their first release candidate come out. Mm-hmm. Judd named Slackware as the best distribution besides Arch. At the time, so in 2003, Slackware was number one in his heart after Arch. That kind of makes sense. You build that one up uh, kind of from the bottom as well. Right. So, 
it's the same sort of principle. Exactly. Exactly. And it was one of my first forays into Linux. Uh, I won't say it was painless at all, oh, but that's, <laughs> that's probably why I can handle Arch today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't hurt. So in 2004, ArchWiki was born. It util uh, utilizes MediaWiki, so uh, pretty much like Wikipedia. Right. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Then in 2005, the thing that everybody loves to talk about, that everybody just absolutely has to have, and if you're using Arch, oh boy, are you using the Arch user repository, the AUR, in 2005, comes into existence. So tell, tell, tell me, tell me. So let me get up here on my soapbox. Leo. That one's a my, tall one. That my, one's a my, real tall one. My social soapbox, okay? So um, those of you that are using the AU, an AUR helper, um, you're doing it wrong. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, just straight for the jugular. Okay. You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to do that. You're, you're, you're supposed to create the packages yourself. And, uh, you know, inspect the package builds that, that, that are in AUR so that you know what goes, is going on there and what goes into them and where the upstream sources are. Um, you know, don't, you shouldn't use these things if you don't know where they're coming from. Um, because it could be dangerous. It could break your system. Right. And, and so the Arch user repository is a lot like the PPA system in Ubuntu is where just anybody could spin one up. Right. Yeah. Uh, more or less. Yes. Uh, your 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 source could be any source. It could be a fork of something. So you could be packaging um, Audacity, but it might be a fork of Audacity. I, I mean, it could be Tenacity. I mean, well, it, you actually go and do that. That would be a different but... name. But like, say it was just a forked off, you know, thing, and it was maybe a little more current or had a couple changes or whatever. And they might not be harmful, but it could be different. You don't know. Right. And one of the things that we got to doing was actually looking at some of we these did. package builds. Some of them were super simple, right? I mean, yep. pull it down and compile the thing. That That's basically it. And it came from GitHub or it came from the developer's website or something like that. Um, so, I mean, most of it was pretty benign. It was. Well, it, it, and here's where going a little further. If you look at the AUR page for the package thing that you want to download, um, one of the things that's listed there is the upstream source. And mm -hmm. so just, just by paying attention to that makes a big difference, I feel like. Right. I mean, you can see whose GitHub repository you're pulling stuff from because, right. I mean, if it has the same name, it could be anybody's, right? It could I mean, be. You, you install it the same way. The only difference is that the source line there is not the GitHub repository you think it's pulling from. So it, it also could be an unreleased version of the thing that, that that's out there. It could be a development version. And so you probably want to make note of that too right <laughs> and i mean i think that's that's just it right i mean the inherent risk in using ppas in ubuntu is the same inherent risk mm -hmm. that you're using it in is. the aur the whole point is that i mean especially in arch in ubuntu i kind of get it where you're already looking for an easy to use distro and ppas mm -hmm. are super easy to add on but in arch well arch proper you actually have to go through some steps to enable the AUR and you have to know a little bit about your system to get it to that point. So, I mean, you're already, you already have the chops to be able to go in and at least skim mm -hmm. the package build to figure out what's going on. And I mean, they, they do state it on the AUR. Look at this stuff before you install it. It is, it's super important to know 
What's going on? Going back to the web page, you can do it right on the web. You can look at the Git, um, you know, the package build there in, in Git. And, yeah, that, and, that's how we did it. Yeah, we just, yeah, we you just can browse the website for a little you, bit. You don't have to download it and, and then look at it and then say, oh, geez, that's not what I want. You can look at it right online before you get too far down the road and, and just give a look at it and see. You may not know all the gobbledygook that's going on in there, but at least you could know that, okay, it's pulling from this source. It looks like it's doing some, you know, building here and it's going to deposit some some files into these folders. And that's... That's going a long way uh, other than just blindly installing it. Right. I mean, but it's easy to. And I think a lot of people fall into that trap. They call it a helper for a reason. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my soapbox. There you go. Okay. You can step down now. Um, but uh, I'll I'll continue on for just a sec. Go ahead. Because the, it's the whole thing, right? I mean, a, a lot of the folks that run around saying that they run Arch and that Arch is the best, and you know, this is one of the reasons. AUR is one of the reasons why they say that, mm -hmm. and it is not as amazing, I think, as they make it out to be. But, but it, it only because of the inherent risk, right? Right, and if if someone manages to follow the wiki and get to a usable Arch system, but just barely. I mean, you're you're mm, really yeah. in the situation you're not ready where yet. you're right. You're really in the situation where you can you figured out how to install yay, and now is this you know mm. install this that and that and that and 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 not a single package build was reviewed. Right, so, that yeah. that would be scary to me. Yeah, I I tend to, I I very much agree with your soapbox. Um, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Cool. So also in 2005, Planet Arch is launched, and it seems to me that Planet Arch really kind of had the same things, uh, well, at least currently, really kind of has the same things that the news site has, mm -hmm. but more. So Planet Arch is totally made uh, as a place to follow development and developers of Arch. What's going on? I mean, this is, this is one of the places that you'll hear about. Oh hey, you're gonna have to change your sources, or you're you're gonna have to make these changes. Otherwise, ours is gonna break. If you have this installed, be careful. Yeah, and I, I don't know who was first, but there's a planet for I think many of the big distributions. So there's a planet Debian, there's a planet Ubuntu, there's a planet Fedora or whatever. So How funny. I don't know who was first, but uh, that could be something we we re, you know research in a future episode. Ah, yep, yep, definitely so. We're going to have to get to the bottom of this. Whose planet was first? <laughs> <laughs> so on a lighter note, 2005 was the first time that I could find that they did April Fool's jokes. Mm. And right around that time, everybody was doing them. I mean, everybody, big companies, small companies, mm. everybody was doing April Fool's jokes. And um, <laughs> so the April Fool's joke that they put out in 2005 was... Um, the Center for Ethical Treatment of Wombats. So Arch Linux 0 0.7 was codenamed Wombat. And so they said, as a joke, the Center for Ethical Treatments of Wombats uh, sent them an email and <laughs> a uh, litigation threat. So they just decided, we're going to shut Arch down. We're done. Yeah, Arch Linux is no more. <laughs> yep. All of the developers would like to thank the community for their support and contribution. Mm. <laughs> Obviously, that was a joke. Arch is still alive. Sure they did it. They did it again in 2006. They they said that Judd is stepping down for a job at Google, and that uh, the new version of Arch, which would have been 0.8, I think, uh, was going to be called Pony. They we're going to call it Pony, and 
a huge seismic change of the stable repo will slow down considerably so that they could say that it was stable, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, um, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then in 2007, they did another announcement uh, saying that they were going to change their name to ARK, A-R-K Linux, uh, because there was a lot of confusion between uh, people of people that were looking up Arch and getting Arc and people looking up Arc and getting Arch. So they just they just came together. Could Arc and Arc. Exactly. That way, uh, everybody's going to be pleased, right? When you look for Arc, you're going to get Arc. The end. Yeah, right? that makes you happy. So, yeah, that was when they had to walk back. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> <sighs> but just two days later, and that was the, that was the last big April Fool's that, that I saw. There were some other things, but... Um, just two days later after that 2007 April Fool's announcement, it is announced that Point 8 Voodoo will be the last full release of Arch with that versioning. So this is the point where you get what you see today, where Arch moves to a year, 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 month, month versioning. So, I mean, you know, if they were to put out an Arch right now, it would be 202108. Yeah. That would be the version of Arch. Right. And this is, this is not a joke. <laughs> yeah, so but, that's that's pretty much how you know they run it now, and it's yeah like a monthly cycle. I think I don't I think there's very few months where they miss, right? And and, and it makes uh, sense, right? I mean, you can look at it and you know, oh well, this image is actually kind of old. It might uh, contain right. an old kernel or something like that. And it might not work with my new new system, whatever. But like right, the it, derivatives, often you know they they gather onto that that same versioning as well. So exactly. So that wasn't a joke. Nor is the next point. No. Which in late 2007, Judd Vinay decided he was ready to retire from active development. So the reins were handed over to Aaron Griffin. And you will likely have seen him on the forums as Fracture with a PH at the front. Yep. Then a, then a month later, a month later, and I remember this, mm-hmm. the Arch logo competition was announced. They had a ton of logos. Some of them are still floating around. But yeah. this is where you get that iconic A. This yes. is where that came from in 2007. And and that's a long time ago, and, that, and they're still hanging on to it. It's, it's, yeah, it's a I good mean, one, right? Well, I mean, it's iconic. It mm-hmm. is the logo. You know when you see that, that little, you know, Yeah, there's no question a, mark. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Arch. You know that's Arch, right? Mm. And uh, so in 2010, skipping ahead a little bit, uh, not a huge bunch of seismic changes in 2008, 2009. Um, but in 2010, they launch a magazine, right? Everybody has a magazine. Everybody. Every, at this point, right? Everybody has mm-hmm. a magazine. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but magazine's a thing. And so Arch is going to have one too. Uh, about three months later, it's converted into an e-zine. So, you know, just a magazine that's on the web, which is what the original, yeah. right? And that's what the original magazine kind of was. But Anyway, and they, they located this at rollingrelease.org. So as soon as I learned this, I'm like, all right, let's go to rollingrelease.org. <laughs> yeah, no, that's expired. <laughs> so in, in 2011, it, it had already expired, but it was reacquired, but there just really wasn't a whole lot of traction going on there. So it just never really took off. And by the community, I did not see any official announcement saying the magazine is dead. We're not doing it anymore. The community declared it dead in mid 2020 12 mm, so short-lived it, yeah sad stuff but i mean honestly that's what planet arch is yes is uh, exactly 
that's what I'm looking for. And the arts blogs, wiki wikis. is the other stuff. Yeah, exactly. And Any, even anything... the forums to some extent too, right? Right. Exactly. So if you're part of the community, you don't need a magazine because you get it. You get the, the the community interaction with the forum. You get the authoritative information from the wiki, and then you get what's going on in Arch from the planet or just the, news, the news. If you just yeah. if you just want to skim the top of you know the most important stuff, that's where news is, and then Planet gets the rest of it uh, as well as the news. It's actually it's actually both. So I I guess it was just kind of duplication of effort. So they thought it wasn't really worth the time, so they stopped working on it. Then in 2012, the Arch installation framework gets dropped for a collection of installation scripts. And also in 2012, this is the bombshell. Mm-hmm. SysVNet goes bye-bye in favor of... Dun-dun-dun. SystemD. Everybody's favorite. Ooh. Everyone's yeah. favorite. Well, by now, everybody knows how to system control enable this and that and whatever. So, you know, maybe. But, you know... And Back then, so... not so much. It wasn't, wasn't very favorited. Mm-mm. People did not like it. People did There's not still like people it. I that... want my I want my five thousand line in its scripts forever. Don't ever tell me to leave. Okay, you can have them. Yeah, That's you... what DevOne and everybody else is for. And in Arch, you could do it too, but you got to do it yourself. But... Hey, don't don't get me wrong. I mean, there's probably some things that frustrate me from time to time, but overall, I don't think it's all that bad. I I, I think the modularity of it is kind of good. But yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's just um, me. I I but I tend to. I, I guess I just gravitate toward an easier administrative yeah. effort. And that's what SystemD is. Yeah. Yeah. So for reference, though, uh, I did go look. Fedora did it first. That's impressive. Ah, but it turns out Fedora does a lot of things first. They do. I mean, Arch is still Pulse by default. Fedora? Pipewire. Pipewire, so, yeah. And everybody will get there eventually. But, you know, I always had it in my mind that Arch was always the first. To make these big, huge shifts, but they are not. Fedora, again and again and again, tends to be the first to shift. So Fedora made the switch a year prior, a whole year prior in 2011. OpenSUSE did it about the same time Arch did. Manjaro, which is weird to me. A whole year later. 20, yeah, 2013. And then, of course, Ubuntu, but, you know, I get it. Ubuntu, uh, Ubuntu had their Ubuntu own. Did it, yeah, did they it in did, 2015. They, they weren't even using, you know, SysV in it. Right, yeah, they did Upstart. And, Upstart, which was... But they, but they jumped on the bandwagon in 2015 in their 15.10 release. Yes. So, yeah, so System D made a lot of waves, and Arch was one of the early adopters, but not the early is. So I bet it was available even oh, before sure. it was default, right? Yeah. Sure. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure it was default. If you wanted it, you could have gotten it. But Fedora made it default. That's and that's impressive. That's that's respect. bold. That's bold. That, but they did Pipewire too. I know. It's still bold. That, bold. Fedora is the bold. That maybe that's just it, right? They don't need a whole tagline. They just need bold. That's it. <laughs> Works. <laughs> Wait. I'm, I'm sorry. HTML is no longer bold. It is strong. So maybe Fedora strong. That's what. Okay. We need. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> So fast forward a little bit. In November of 2017, another seismic shift, 32-bit, is dropped. So this oh. is kind of ahead of some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I think it's ahead of Fedora. I'd have to look it up, but I think yeah. Fedora was later. I know it's before Ubuntu, and, uh, well, Debian's mm-hmm. still pumping out the 32-bit stuff. Oh, heck stuff. yeah, they are. And, uh, well, that, that's, the last, that's the last bastion of 32-bit so, yeah. out, outside of very small distros. 
I think that's that's it. So there is a spinoff, if you will, uh, that's Arch, you know, Arch 32 um, stuff. There's still a kind of a community behind that where they're building some of those things. But I don't know how fast it is and I don't know how much, you know, how many people are behind it. But it does Look, exist. There are, there are still machines from 25 years ago that still work. Oh, I they know. They need packages. And so that's where a lot of this effort's going. I think a lot of uh, a lot of the old hardware just it's still fine other than the fact that it sucks up electricity like nobody's business. It works. So right. why not? Just keep yeah. making packages for it. I guess so. But Arch said no in November 2017. Yep. Not in Main Arch. Yep. So again, I mean, I think that was the last seismic shift until about 2020. So in a team effort, the Arch Linux staff devised a new process for determining future leaders. Because around this time, Aaron Griffin decided to step down. And uh, so if fast rewind for a little bit, this is, um, this is who Judd uh, gave Replaced. the reins to. Yep. And Aaron Griffin now decided to step down. Yep, and so a poll, a poll was held. And the result was Levente Poliak. Um, if you check out the forums, he is Anthrax with two X's. Um, and he was selected to lead the project. So it turns out that there was a term limit installed at this time as well. So each arch head, um, you know, now it, it occurs to me now, I should have probably figured out what their title was, but whoever was leading arch at the time mm -hmm. project leader. gets a two-year term, at which time they are up for re-election, obviously, or the community can elect somebody else. So uh, I think that's good. I, I, I think that 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 sort of turnover keeps things fresh. Um, you don't get uh, complacent. I, I think this is a good thing for projects. Well, I mean, again, look at Debian and how they do things, and this is this is generally how they do things, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, they do some really cool voting math. Uh, over there at uh, Debian to figure out who's who. I, that's fantastic. I, I, I'm, I have I troubles that. with that, but yeah, okay. I, I do not claim to understand it. I read it, and it's really interesting, but um, I'm just like, yeah, that guy totally won. Thanks for doing the math for me, Debian. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so um, Levente is uh, leading up the project now. He's up for re-election in February of 2022. So you'll probably start hearing rumblings of people wanting to take over the Arch project here in the next few months. We're getting to that point. Hard to believe, but yeah. I know, I know. So there's a video from the last Arch Conf, mm. which took place in October 2020, where Alan McRae and Levente Poliak discussed the past, present, and future of Arch Linux. By the way, link in the show notes, go watch it. It was a it's good really video. Good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Levante stretches uh, being good to each other and working together so yeah, community right there that's it is the whole point that's yeah the whole point so it was it was yeah, excellent if, if something like that wasn't said i would have, i would have been uh, a little weirded out like mm -hmm. come on yeah come on mm -hmm. so fast forward a little bit more uh april 2021 a guided installer what this is whoa whoa this is whoa anti-arch <laughs> get out of here what is this it debuts on the standard installation you don't have to go find it no it's, it's there. just there it's a TUI, text-based um, user uh, yep. interface installer. You have to define the configuration before you begin. But, so, I mean, so it's not like you just get an easy mode, right? You have to go fiddle with text files A little bit. First. Or 
Yeah, not a lot. You don't. You just got to fill in some variables, if you will. But yeah, right. But then it kind of guides you along, mm-hmm. and this this is in contrast to the archway, which is go to the wiki, figure it out. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, that, well, that's that's my way. I love I love doing it this way. So and yeah. so originally, Arch had this had a, had a menu based um, installer, um, but they they abandoned that. You know, like for a while, if you will, and uh, they, you know, go use the the wiki page that that follow that installation guide, you know, and and do it yourself. That was that right. was the way, exactly. And, and so having this guided installer, it's still doing the same bits. It's just you know, kind of guiding you through each step as it does them. Right. So it's really nice, I mean, especially for newcomers to Arch. If you really are a little skeptical of how well you can handle it, this might help. But again, you you still have to understand what's going on in the background. So I call it an easy mode. It's just an easier mode. Yeah, it's not crazy easy. Yeah. Right. So a month later, we hit the infamous free node issue that we covered on this show a few episodes back. But, yep, uh, like everybody else, Arch moves from Freenode to LaBearChat. So, Good choice. as expected. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as expected. I, I I don't expect anybody to go anywhere else, really, to be honest. Uh, LaBear yeah, seems to have OFTC, a lion's share. OFTC wouldn't be bad choice, I guess, sure. either. But, but I, I one of those the, two probably is where you're going to go. Or right, maybe right, Matrix. Right. Uh, Matrix is another thing if you abandon IRC altogether. Yeah, if you're, if you're dropping IRC, I like Matrix. Matrix is good. Yep. Uh, you know, um, shameless plug for our Matrix Linux yeah, user space. Yeah, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. right, you know, it's it's there. It's out there. Go find it. It's fine. But um, the last thing that we have uh, up to today is some really big news. And news that we talked about here just recently. Yeah, last episode. Steam Deck. Steam Deck is based on Debian. Wait, no, no. No, Arch, Arch now. Arch. Right. SteamOS was originally based on Debian, got old, crusty, and I think the folks over at Valve were just like, we need more, faster, all the time. We got this new hardware that we're pushing. Of course we need the newest thing. And this is it. Valve announces the Steam Deck, which will have Arch Linux and Mm -hmm. KDE Plasma. Plasma. Mm. So just amazing choices. And is it any wonder that's what I chose as well to run on my laptop? Mm -hmm. Not really. Mm -hmm. No, nope. Plasma's fantastic. I'm I'm gonna say that about twelve more times this episode, but there you go. Okay. So you got Arch Linux. There is no base. It is the base. Yeah. The desktop environment is whatever you want. The file manager is whatever you want. The package manager is Pac-Man unless you want something else. The kernel is rolling as of today. It's 5.13.12. The display manager is whatever you want. The uh, Waylander X11, I don't know, pick one. And then the project leader currently until February 2022 is Levente Polyak. So there you go. That's Arch. Past, present, and present. Yeah, (laughs) more or less. Up to today. Yeah. And then, um, you know. Arch is going to change every single day from from here into the end of time. New, new release is, every day. Pretty much. Seriously. Okay. I know. Okay. We're going to have to. We go, we go straight into the discussion because seriously, I wanted it to break. Dan, it's new every day. It so is. You're, you're not wrong. It is new every day. There's a new package to install. I, I had 
new KDE plasma things like a couple days ago that I oh, didn't. Oh, that's right. You got the new plasma stuff. That's cool. I, I, I didn't. So you didn't? here was it. So we, we, me and Dan, we meet every week. We, we kind of just kind of get a temperature of what's going on, you know, what we're, what we're thinking, all that kind of stuff. And about a week ago, I sit down and I say, well, Arch hasn't broken, but I've been keeping up with my updates and I regret doing that because the, the whole thing with Arch is that if you don't keep up with your updates or if you don't pay attention mm-hmm. to the, the blog and the news and all that kind of stuff, then, you know, you're going to get left behind and some change is going to happen that's going to totally break your system. Number one, none of that happened. That's in the true. first place, that there was absolutely nothing that happened during our month with it. Yeah, that it was only a month. Was, right. So sure, if you use it for a year, maybe there's one. But I mean, we didn't run into any of it. So nope. I was like, all right, fine. I'll let it sit for the remaining week. And then today, about five hours ago, I do a full install. I'm hoping it's going to break. I'm hoping it didn't break. Ah, it didn't break. But now you got all the new goodness. Yeah, dude, it's fantastic. Stop, stop, make, stop, stop, stop making me say stuff like that. You really were hoping it was going to break. I, I remember this. You were like, no, I know. You were yeah. like, yeah, this thing's just not going to work. It's not going to last. It's, it's it, not going to work yeah. out for me. And it's going to be like a week and then I'm going to have to be fixing it. Yeah. You know? It was one week. I didn't have to fix it. Then it was another week and I didn't have to fix it. And there was another week and I didn't have to fix it. And I was like, fine, I'm not going to update it. And then it was another week and I updated it all and I didn't have to fix it. <laughs> Uh, it's well, stable. That's supposed to, I mean, it's supposed to work that way. Yeah, no, it is. And I mean, you know, so during the, during the initial installation, when we're trying to figure it out and get it all installed and everything, I'm like, Dan, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with ButterFS because I'm going to have to take snapshots because I know it's going to break. I didn't have to use a single one. I have a ton of snapshots, like mm-hmm. a ton of snapshots. Well, but, I even installed the snap pack, which is, uh, right. every time you do a, you know, your Pac-Man update, it does a snapshot automatically for you, which yeah. is pretty great. That, they, that, that I, is, I think if you're going to do that, that's one of the things that could break you, right? And so mm-hmm. being, you know, having those snapshots that you can roll back to if one of the updates does break, I think that's that's the key right there because you can yeah. you can go in and in the advanced mode and pull up one of those snapshots and then and you know use that instead and you know say I'm going to hold off until this update gets fixed. And, yeah, and, well, and I'm going to wait for go. the next version of that one. Right. Yeah. And so exactly. I mean, having having that sort of uh, feeling where you, you can't really go wrong, that's pretty good, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if you're going to do it, that's the way to do it. That's just my personal it, thoughts. It worked. It worked, it worked. well. He's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got to talk about the setup, right? I mean, because Arch is nothing if it's not hard to set up, right? I mean, once once you get it going, right? It's it's all good to go, right? Because it's all set up. But I think I think the majority of people that that well, um, you say hard. You know, so I think it's not hard. It's tedious to me. It's following a bunch of instructions. It's it's making sure you check all the boxes and and do all the things. It's not so not difficult necessarily. Attention to detail is important. Very much so, yes. So I had to zoom out and put on my what if I didn't know this hat. And I came up with a list of things that you have to understand or be able to do before you even think about touching Arch. So as long as you, A, understand the basics of a Linux system, Mm -hmm. right? What makes one? How does it come together? What is the kernel? 
how do you point to one? What right. is going on in the background to get one to boot, right? right? Those things. Do a little Googling. You could have this knowledge in less than an hour, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, assuming you can totally just vacuum everything up, but give it a day. Research this stuff. Give it a day. Read over it one more time before you dive into this, and I think you'll be okay. Yeah, Bonus I, points, though, if you just go into it blind. <laughs> well, I guess so, yes. I feel like if you were to go into this with a, you know, Treating it like a learning experience where I'm, you know, going to invest some time. I know I'm yep. not going to get it done in 10 minutes. This is not going to be a 10 minute calamari uh, install and oh, it I'm, will not. I'm off to the races here. This is not mm, that. Yep. And and know that I'm going to kind of do some learning. And you could do this in a, in a virtual machine, honestly. If, I think if, sure. you, if you're going to do this the first time, that's probably a great way to do this. Because then if it... Messes that, that up. will put your training wheels on, and then you get to kind of get a feel for, you know, mm -hmm. all right, step one, step two, step three. But when you do it on real hardware, there are other considerations that you there have are. to make. Like, oh, there's Wi-Fi now. Well, yeah, you yeah, know, things like drivers that. Drivers and things like that, right? And, and you know, how do, how do I get the, the Wi-Fi stuff to, you know, authenticate to my, you know, network and, and those sorts of things? Exactly. Well, and I, so, I think I think uh, you know going going at it like a learning experience is a really good way to go. It's a good approach. Take your time. Do not rush. Do not skip steps. Do you know? Uh, make sure you've you've done a little research ahead of time. Um, right. You know. Don't. You know. Yeah. Just don't rush into it. I guess that's my best advice. And don't get right. frustrated if it doesn't go right because oh, it yeah. might not. The, yeah. So B, you can follow directions. The ArchWiki is fantastic. It's got all the information you could ever need. It, it, it is fairly clear. It is mostly concise, sometimes too concise for my taste. Yeah. But the information is there. So just make sure to click on the links and understand what it's talking right. about. Follow the links in, in the instructions. Oh, God, yes. Right. Please don't, do. Don't just skim through the one page because <laughs> there are links that take you to another page and then another page. And yep. you, you, you really got to follow them. I mean, that's, Look, that's the best advice. Open them all when, up in a new tab or something. Follow them along. Yeah. When you get to the grub part, if that's you, a, if you mm. make it there, yeah, you're going to have like five links open and you're going to have to pay attention to all of it. So mm -hmm. you got to be able to follow, follow directions. The file system part, like where they start talking about file systems and stuff like that. I think you need to follow those along too, because oh, absolutely. that's another one. Hmm. Yep. So yeah, that's my C. That's, that's number C. Number C. Okay, number C. Is understand partitioning. Mm. What is a partition? How big is my disk? How many partitions am I going to need? Am I using master boot record style or am I using EFI? How am I going to boot this thing? Mm -hmm. So, right, with with uh, you know, with an MBR style or the, the legacy style, you only yeah, need one big old partition. Yep. Or with EFI, you need at least two. Mm -hmm. So, right, understand this stuff. And Dan, both you and I went ButterFS. We did. So as a... That's off script, I'll, I'll say, I feel like. Oh, yeah, it was. That's not the advised method necessarily. Nope. I think EXT4 is probably the, the recommended choice. XFS is not a bad choice, choice too. It's, it's fine, yeah. Right, exactly. So, yeah, don't go off script your first time. Get it, get it working no. first. Get it figured out first. But uh, both Dan and I, you know, we're seasoned. So we went ButterFS. So if you go that route, Please know what a sub volume is. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, actually, you know, I take that back. You don't have to. You can just format that one partition ButterFS and just plop everything on that one partition and go. And you that's could. fine. Yeah. But I wanted my snapshots to work. I wanted them to be separate. I wanted them to, you know, be compartmentalized. So understand subvoluming. Mm-hmm. And if you want to take those snapshots, know what it is. Yeah. So, know what you're snapshotting. And, yeah. Right. So C1. So there was C, which is understand partitioning. C sub one is mm-hmm. understand subvoluming. And sub two is understand snapshotting. Mm-hmm. That way you're safe. You can roll back. Things go good. If they don't, you can fix it without having to insert the arch ISO again and start from scratch. Start over. Yeah. You don't have to start over. <laughs> roll back to the right. last snapshot and you're good. Exactly. So, you know, outside of the, you know, off, speaking of off script, you know, it, it tells you during the initial install with Packstrap to install base, Linux, and Linux dash firmware. I also went in and installed IWD, which is the wireless thing okay. uh, allows you to connect up to, to Wi-Fi. I kind of got attached to it. It's cumbersome and annoying, but I got attached to it and I okay. kind of liked doing it. I let I let it hand off to Network Manager eventually, but I, mm. I, I just it, installed it, it, Network it, Manager and used the NM2E. Sure. And and that's perfectly fine, but I felt like it was it was it was arch of me. It was so arch of me mm-hmm. to install and use IWD because it was it was harder. It was what's recommended at the beginning, so yeah. I used it. Uh, I also installed Nano DH client because IWD, while it does have a DHCP client in it, right. like built internal. in, yep. Uh, I didn't read far enough mm-hmm. uh, to get to that point, so I was like, ah, I know DH client. We'll just install that too, and then Intel U code to get my microcode uh, updates as well. Okay, so. Uh, added a user with a home folder, um, added the sudo package uh, later on so I could add myself to the sudo group so I can do sudo things. Um, and then I installed Plasma with Plasma Meta. And then I realized uh, my trackpad sucked. So I installed xf86-input-lib input, which was actually not the first package I installed. I, I installed the Synaptics one. Yeah. Which is, uh, again, didn't read because <laughs> why would I read the wiki? Uh, <laughs> it's been deprecated for a while and oh, yeah. not what you should be using. So uninstalled that, installed libinput, and then eventually got Network Manager and Plasma Dash in him so I could get uh, Network Manager going. But this is one of those things where IWD is like this, but um, I never enabled it to start on uh, boot because, I don't know, why would I make it easy on myself? Uh, network manager had to enable. So, you know, call back to before network manager has to be turned on on boot if you want it because it's not enabled. Yeah, exactly. And then really the, the, the last thing, because everything else about Arch is not about Arch. It's about the things that you install. So just some funny things that occurred to me was uh, we are having uh, some DNS issues. So mm-hmm. I'm like, host this on this server and it's like host not found what what i have to install oh i'm on yeah Arch. yeah so i have to go install host and then i'm like oh hey um i need to re uh update and re- uh, reboot one of my pies so i ssh into my pi- no because the ssh package was not installed so i had to go back and install that so i think the um you know after i get everything installed and everything is very very comfortable you realize that you're missing this or you're missing that, right. and then you have to oh, go absolutely. install it. Mm-hmm. So that that was generally my journey, and it was it was it was good. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, it was a little easier than I expected it to be, and that was probably because you know both Dan and I are a little more seasoned. But it it was enjoyable. 
Mm-hmm. I, I thought I was going to hate it. Uh, I thought it was going to break. And neither of those things are true. Yeah. And so you you made it yours. I mean, there's there's no wrong way to uh, Linux, I guess. Unless it breaks. It, unless it breaks. Unless it breaks. Um, <laughs> but there's really no wrong way, right? So as long as you have your working system working the way you want it to, um, it's not wrong. And so I feel like, um, like, so you, you added yourself to the, the wheel group, right? For sudo. Right. You That's don't have right. to do it that way. You can just go in there and, and buy sudo and add your own user into the sudoers file and, 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 and do it that way. And that's probably safer. Yeah, that's probably well, safer it, to do. It's more restricted. But if you were going to have more users on the same system and you wanted them to have administrative access, this would be the way you did it, right? You, you'd add them to a group and then you'd use the group. So it's not wrong. Neither way is wrong. It's just how do you want to do it, you know? Exactly. And so uh, I think, you know, having having that control is a lot of what Arch is about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's powerful, but you got to do it. And so I went simple, right? I went a tiling window manager. I installed awesome window manager, right? And <laughs> yep. one thing I mentioned this last time, too, um, make sure you install a terminal emulator or else you can't do a whole lot with your, your tiling window manager. Whoopsie. And so, yeah, like I, when you go to edit your config to, you know, change that shortcut, uh, yeah, nothing's going to happen because you didn't install terminal emulator. I, I actually ran into the same thing. I forgot to install console. Uh, yeah, and you thought so, you would have thought that would have came with all of the plasma bits. I that's literally my thought process. So I'm like, I'm not going to go into the Arch ISO and then like pack strap in and then install it or whatever. So that you know, Control Alt F2 install console with mm-hmm. pac-man and that uh, you know back and it's fine it's fine but so yeah, yeah that brings up another question i've got so when you installed did you install most of your packages before you actually booted into your system or did nope. you just boot into your blank you know bare system and then installed it that way okay exactly yep i'm curious like i think everybody does it differently right so i did it when i was cherooted in and and installed most of the packages that i wanted to have except for the one and uh and then it was ready to go when i rebooted rebooted boom and you know and so everybody's got their thing i did it on purpose that way uh so what i ended up doing was i installed the base system got everything that i knew that i was going to need at at the base level got my snapshots ducks in a row and then i started installing desktop environments and all the mm-hmm. all the tools that go along with that so i was i was playing it very conservatively but you know, it, it occurs to me now that I didn't have to do that. I really no, didn't. But it's not wrong. It wasn't right. wrong. So that's the great thing. I think it, it's the flexibility to be able to do it the way you want to do it. And uh, at the end, you ended up with uh, Leo Nix. I did. That's it. That's it. It's I Leo have Nix. now Leo Nix with uh, KDE Plasma as the uh, desktop environment. You know, obviously console as a terminal emulator, ButterFS underneath with snapshots uh, baked right in. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the best distros ever. Uh, you know, built from just some rando packages uh, from this thing called Arch. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that is not a distro at all. Mm, but it's totally a distro. <laughs> it's totally your distro is the way I, w- I want I want to spin that. And it, and it, more more to it though. Like we talked a lot about the community behind um, this, and I think that's what makes a distro. I think right. uh, the community makes up um the thing that you're you're running the support forums the wiki pages the you know all of that is what makes a distro it's not just the collection of packages that they put together it's not the fancy installer it's not the welcome screen it's 
everything. It's the complete operating system plus all the support that goes along with it. And that's what makes a distribution. Yeah, I, I, I really do tend to agree with you. I mean, the, the reason that I see Arch as, you know, even, even close to not a distro is just simply because you have to cobble it together yourself. There's so you much do. work to be done that, you know, I, I, I put Gentoo in the same category. Where, that's another step that's further, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, well, I mean, I think really Gentoo and Arch are very similar. It's just that Gentoo makes you mm. compile stuff. Arch makes it optional. Right. And I mean, but but overall, you're still you're you're compile you're you're putting everything together to really kind of build what other distros give you out of the box. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know, at the end of the day, Arch is a distro. But mm. I think the amount of work that you put Mark into it, it puts it, it yeah <laughs> puts it into a different league. Where mm-hmm. okay, you can call it a distro, but I think it needs some kind of additional like asterisk by it. Where it's not a distro, it's a meta distro. Mm-hmm. Where you are, you know, as you said, you're in full control. You decide what goes into it and what you do with it and how it functions and whether or not this service starts at the beginning or whether or not this package is installed. Whereas other distros don't give you that choice. It's just here is the distro. Here are the choices that we've made for you. You can change them later. Right. I'll equate it to like Legos, right? So Arch is, is, you know, collection of Legos. Yeah. Gen Gen 2, you're going to form the blocks, the little plastic pieces before you put the Legos together. Right. You you literally have to 3D print your Legos with Gen 2. You're you're, You're 3D printing your Legos. (laughs) Exactly. Whereas... um, uh, Arch is binary. You know, you're 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 using the binary packages, and that goes to the simplicity of it and the package manager and all of that. You don't get that with Gentoo. You don't have a package manager. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you yeah. have Emerge. Don't get me wrong. No, no. See, now you say they don't have a package manager. They're going to get at you the same way that I'm saying Arch probably is on don't. They have Emerge. Okay. Yeah, it's just not the same. <laughs> and and so um, you know, so you you're taking those blocks that are pre-built and then stacking them up, putting them together. And uh, whereas if you pick a different distribution, um, you got the Millennium Falcon already there in front of you and you don't have right. to snap anything together. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not bad. Some people like puzzles and solving things and putting it together. I mean, yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So totally. So, I mean, it fits it fits the bill. But you you need to be a tinkerer. I think you need to be somebody yeah. that wants to have, you know, that's got that analytical thinking and um wants to put the pieces together for themselves think all the steps through kind of plan some of the process and get it all laid out and then and then put it together the way you want and then once you get your system built the way you want um you can take that and you can replicate it on other systems i mean you just take your you know all of your packages and uh you know you're going to put those down somewhere else you can take your configurations you can copy those over I mean, all of those things. So once you start building it, you're going to have clones of your Leonix all over the place. Hey, yep, absolutely. Now I got to go back and actually take real documentation. Though. <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely, uh, so we, we've got a question here. It says, who's it for? And I'm, I'm going to say intermediate Linux users with some desire to learn more and take it to the next level. And Leo's got yep. another take. Uh, so intermediate, I think, is is maybe not far enough. I think I think it's advanced users. I think it's people that, as you said, they you know the analytical mind, someone that's willing to kind of 
get down to the nitty gritty and figure out what makes something tick. But I say advanced users of Linux that want full control over all aspects of the installation with much less tyranny of the default. You I don't, don't think you're, I don't think you're wrong either. I think I think that's uh, that's also pretty good. I it may not be. I mean, it's hard to define inter- intermediate and advanced. I think they're they're both a yeah. level a level above where you start for sure. And I guess I would classify like things like Slackware and Gentoo as advanced, and this is intermediate. But that's just me. Okay, sounds like future show to me. It might be. <laughs> All right. So I think we've made it to our moment of truth. So, Dan, are you keeping it? I'm probably not going to keep it. Like, oh. I don't, like, don't get me wrong. I really like what oh. I built. I like what I got. I like, <laughs> it works great and yeah. didn't break. Um, I like it. Had fun tinkering with it. I don't know if I want to keep that. Okay. I, I want somebody well, else to give me the updates and throw, some, okay. throw their bling on it. I, I'm just fine with that. Yeah, and that's fine, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I will say, I think I'm going to keep it. I really do. Um, That's cool. I I think this laptop is going to be an Arch laptop for the foreseeable future. That's really cool. Uh, you know, so here, here here's the deal. I get the latest Plasma mm-hmm. without any of the fluff of any other distro. Yeah, that's or nice. anything else. I mean, the, the whole point is, right? Like, I get to make the decisions. So I decided that all of these pieces that are currently on there are on there. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I, I think we, we kind of alluded to, but we didn't actually specifically say, is the Arch repositories have absolutely everything ever. They have Discord. Sure they feels have, that um, way. They have yeah. Telegram. <laughs> they have, I mean, obviously Firefox. They, every tool that I use in my tool chain, besides Bitwarden, is there. Just there. It's there. Like, I don't have to install the AUR or tinker with it or yay this or yay that. It's all there. So I, I don't, I don't. I don't have any reason to delete it. Yeah, that makes sense. And if you, here's another point that we didn't make earlier was if you don't stray from the, you know, main and community repositories and, and you don't get off the beaten path there, you're probably going to have a lot less breakage too. It's, it's not going to break. Probably not. Probably be tough. And so, yeah, I get it. I get why you want to keep it. I, I, but I had a lot of fun building it too. So I wouldn't mind doing that again. Yeah, I I probably will. I'll probably nuke it and then install it again. But I mean, I think the the short and skinny of it is that Arch is going to be on this laptop. Yeah, by the end of all this. Cool. The Linux and open source community has some fantastic resources, and we want to make sure to highlight that. In our showcase for this episode, we want to draw your attention to, well, nothing other than the Arch Wiki. Um, The Arch Wiki can be a wonderful resource, even if you aren't using Arch. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me that the people at Arch aren't just making things for Arch? No, they're making it for everybody. That's 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 part of the great community giving right there. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, I actually have a, a specific example of this. Uh, so I have a Focusrite uh, third-gen mm. solo. And for some reason, I was, I was uh, you know, pounding away at it, fig- trying to figure it out. When I was recording, there would be sometimes if there was a separate audio source that was coming through the output of this thing, it would drop my audio's octave down by some. Oh, okay. And so I assumed, um, and I, I was right in this assumption that it was swapping from 44,100 um, hertz at the polling rate to 48,000. And so slowing no. it up. Or so it was swapping and it was, it was changing the octave of everything. And I used the ArchWiki to get me enough information 
to dig down into the pulse configuration files <laughs> to fix this issue. And I'm still using it now, and I have no worry whatsoever that it's going to be 48,000 at all times. No, no worries. Yeah, no never nothing. Change. That's good. So thank you, ArchWiki. You've saved me, and I'm sure you've saved so many other people from having to end up in the Google equivalent of dependency hell. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, you you know, the web searches are great and you'll find some good things on some of the other wikis as well. But um, more more often than not, you hear or see references to the Arch Wiki, which I mean, yeah, it, it, it's, one of, it's one of the best. And and like I said, it, it doesn't really matter the subject either. It feel like, you know, file systems, they've got that. They've got, you know, the, your audio woes. They've they've got that stuff. Um, Everything. I mean, it's just, it's it's everything that you think you probably might encounter um, in a Linux system, so. I, I would be surprised if you don't end up at the ArchWiki anyway. You don't need our link to get you there. There's probably, probably a search or a question that you're going to have that's going to take you directly there. But if you haven't been there before, think of a question that you had in Linux, and I bet you ArchWiki is going to have the answer. Yeah, even, even think of a, a software package that you might have a question about. And I bet you can probably find some answers there, too. Yep. So definitely top-notch resource. Um, can't highlight it enough. A++. Thanks to all of the community members that contribute to that. And you could, too. Um, I, I, I also have a link in the show notes for how to contribute to Arch. Yep. If you contribute to that, you're awesome. Thank you. Yes. We also uh, talked about our Matrix Room. Uh, please feel free to run right over there and uh, hop in and join our conversations there. We have some good ones. Um, love all that. We have our Telegram group. Uh, you can join there, t.me slash Linux user space, and you can continue conversation over there. And if those chat platforms are not enough for you, we also have Discord. And uh, I'll have a link for that, too, also in the show notes. You can follow us at Twitter at Linux user space to get all the latest announcements for the show and highlights for things to impact your user space. Lastly, don't forget to rate this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast application and like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube, where you find our video. Ding, ding, ding. It's time to focus. On Let's your focus. app. Not just an app. Dan, we're going to focus on, we're going to focus on an app, but we're also going to focus on what the app has done for us. Oh. We have, I won't say improved. It's hard to nope. improve. No, nope. I'm going to call it additional. Additional and. Alternative? Re, re, alternative. Okay. All right. All right. Alternative logos. What we're talking about is an app called Krita. Mm-hmm. Is it any wonder I like Plasma? I mean, all, I use all the mm. apps. I just K use all the KDE apps. KDE apps are great. Yeah, just you're give not me, wrong. Just give, me, just give me all the apps. I want all the apps. Mm -hmm. So Krita is a primarily a vector image editing editor? Drawing thing? tool? Thing, right. Yeah. So you can paint in it. You can create vector art with it. You can do raster art with it. So kind of what GIMP does. You mm -hmm. can do all the things, all the things. And I've been tinkering around with our logos because we need big old vectors because we're trying to make things for you. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, we're, we're working up to that. We are working up to that. 
And so the logo that you're, you're, you're creating is, uh, kind of a flat style sort of look to it. Right. That was a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to say embossment because, you know, honestly, I'm not, I'm not like a true blue artist. Uh, I live with an artist, uh, and she will tell me that I'm using the words wrong. Yeah. Uh, but I will yeah. also tell her that she doesn't know how to boot Linux. So how about that? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we so, all have our thing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I'm, I'm trying to get, uh, a standard set of icons and uh, logos that we can put all over the place. One thing that we're missing is a super teeny tiny little 48 by 48, 32 by 32, you know, the tiniest version of the logo. I'm working on that and I'm doing all of that work in Krita mm. so that sure I can have a 32 by 32 JPEG logo thing that we can put up in the favicon area, but also a... 6,000 by 6,000 version of that same logo right. that I can send to printers and they can put that on a big old t-shirt or something like that. So I want it all. I want the whole gamut and Creed is going to do that for me because really what you're creating are vector images mm. and then you can export that as SVG and then from that SVG you can make anything, any yeah, ping or JPEG absolutely. that you want to. You want transparency, you can have that. You want not transparency, you can have that too. It doesn't matter. So Krita is it, right? I mean, you you have uh, for those of you that that like the alternative, uh, you have GNU Imp, right? All mm -hmm. of that functionality, yep. as well as the vector stuff, which is really what Krita excels at. So you want it if you're trying to create things that you don't know what it's going to end up on. It, right. You know, it might end up on a billboard. Okay, we're not going to have billboards. No, but if it did, it wouldn't look uh, stretched or, you know, pixelized or, you know, rasterized. It, it would look crisp and clear and nice looking for those of you that have no idea what any of that means it's not gonna look like trash all right it's gonna i don't know be... what it means either but i sounded good <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we did a bunch of googling before the show that was the whole point so right i mean so it's it's gonna look good no matter what size you put it at that's the whole point and that's how we use it we're I, I am currently using it to try and slap together some logos that look good at any size and i can just send it to anybody so That's that they cool. can use for whatever they want to, you know, whatever, what absolutely whatever. So to the so, question of, will we use it? Well, right. I would, yeah, totally use it. And here's another thing. Um, it's available on any platform. Like, yeah. you could probably pick your platform and, yeah, it's going to be available. It's, it's on the Windows. It's on the Mac OS. It's on BSD. It's on app. You know, you can have app image, flat pack, um, snap, regular package whatever right it's 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 there for you however say, you want it say what you want about kde apps yeah they are but really available you, but you can't get known podcasts on windows nope mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. nope <laughs> no so it's it's, it's it, i think that's a great thing it's a selling feature you can have the same application no matter which machine you're on um and you know anybody in your surrounding area they might use a different operating system, unfortunately. Um, exactly. But so, you can, but you, but you can, can have them. commonality. Mm -hmm. You can have commonality that we're both using free and open source software. Yes. In Krita. I don't care that you're on Windows. It's fine. You have Krita. I have Krita. We both talk the same Krita language, and I can send you SVGs. You can send me pings, and we can just do whatever we do. We can be artists on separate platforms using the same software, and it's fantastic. It's one of the best things about 
most of the KDE library. Yeah, is I that agree. It's just where, wherever you want it. It's wherever you want it. And there's continual development. Um, just announced this week, right? <gasps> I'm so excited. Version 5? Yes. Yes, it's, the beta is out. I don't want to break my current workflow, but I'm excited to do that because I don't really understand Krita well enough. But I'm 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 actually really thankful that I don't know it well enough because five seems like it might break some things. <laughs> well, I don't know. They keep they. It's like they're filling it up with a fire hose. There's so many features that they keep adding to these things. Yeah, it's great. I love it. So yeah, good app. I I think we we'll both use it. And uh, yeah, cool. I'm gonna send you some SVGs, Dan. That's how this is gonna work. All right, sounds good. <laughs> Just don't ask me to edit them. Okay, I'll I'll try. All right, next time uh, we are going to have a topic-based show since we just reviewed Arch Linux for this time. But before we get into the topic, let's talk about our next distro. Ooh, now we, it's going to be gonna Gen get, two. It's Gen two. No, we're going to get Aww. back to basics, I guess. <gasps> But not that basic. So this is okay. something that you have been talking about. And actually, you talked about it and gushed about it last yeah. episode. Okay, and I so think I, I know I where you're going with this. I could not hold you back. I couldn't hold <sighs> you back. You've only been, you know, jonesing for it for a whole entire year plus plus. Literally. Um, literally more than a year. And it's... So, it's uh, um, and so this is elementary. Elementary version six. Just got released, so Leo wants to go there, and uh, I said I would oblige. I do, and I'm happy about it, and Dan's going to be a convert. He's going to be on elementary mm -hmm. OS. He's going he's gonna to leave the Lubuntu team. He's going to do some more packaging, something like that, but he's going to have a graceful exit and then move over to elementary. I think that's mm -hmm. how this is going to go. Hmm, I'm not <laughs> sure. Okay, maybe not. Maybe but. not. I will give it a try, and listen, I've used elementary five before and so i know there are some great things to highlight for sure so i i don't want to uh disparage against that and uh definitely want to draw attention to the great things so we're going to be doing yep. that for a month and i'm sure i can hold on for a whole month i could probably use anything that you stick in front of me for a whole month there okay well uh, i have to say before we get into this because this starts the month and i have to install it mr daniel foray mm -hmm. i have to install the foot guns mm. i i I mean, I'm pr okay. Maybe, maybe not, but there's a good chance. Can you get it two be... weeks before you do that? Okay, okay. I'm just wondering. No, no, I can. I absolutely can. You know, we, you know, maybe if I give it two weeks, I won't need to. I'll, I'll, I'll have an epiphany, and it'll be amazing. Wow. But well, you'll have epiphany, but... all right. Ah, <laughs> you got me. Ah, I will have epiphany. Ah, stop being right all the time. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, I think it'll be great. I, I'm looking forward to it. It'll, it'll it be, will. It'll be great. Thank you, everyone, for listening and for your support. So outside of here, Dan, where can I find you? You can find me at KC2BEZ on uh, Twitter or Mastodon even. Oh, and you can find me at Leo Chavez on Twitter or, speaking of Mastodon, leo.c.im. You should, we yeah, should Mastodon.technology for me. But yeah. I should probably do that. Yeah. So, join us in two weeks when we return to the Linux Union. All right. Ooh. All right. 
No, that was oh. a good episode, man. It was. I that was. I gotta say, it was probably my favorite episode to record. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I love my Linux Mint episode. Uh, I'll probably enjoy the Elementary episode. Nope, hands down. I mean, far and away, far and away, my this favorite cool. episode to record. Awesome. Yep. No, I had fun with it. I had a lot of fun with it. I hope folks enjoy it too. I, I think that's probably why I'm keeping it. It made Linux fun again. Make Linux fun again. I just don't have don't time that... to mess with it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, and that's the thing. Like, um, this past week, I haven't touched it other than updates. Yeah, I haven't really either. I haven't either. Like, actually, the first week was, was the busiest, right? You get finding yep. all the things that you didn't have installed. You needed to install it. You, you, after that, like, all the road bumps and hurdles were all gone. It's all downhill from there, man. Once you get all the packages you need, it's it's just it just works. Mm -hmm. Ah, ooh, I said that. I said I the thing.